Ministry Mentorship, Episode 50. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. In this podcast, we're going to be speaking with missionary Chris Gibbs to the country of Malawi. And I know you're going to enjoy this uh, ministry focus as we talk about his ministry calling, the importance of submission, challenges, uh, starting his mission's journey, and seeking God for his plan in your life. Before we get started, I want to just share a real quick tip for using ministry mentorship. At the end of each of our podcasts, we try to give you an email address or some way that you could get connected with our special guest. And this is a great way to start uh, connecting and reaching out and getting some ministry advice for your personal growth and developing the contacts that you make. So please feel free to send them an email. Uh, some of them have left a phone number and look them up on Facebook. Uh, I know that those that we've interviewed would greatly appreciate that and it would uh, help them to know that someone is listening and benefiting from the time they've invested into ministry mentorship. You can also help us spread the word about ministry mentorship by sharing this post on Facebook, uh, Twitter, or sending it as an email attachment to one of your friends. If you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, we encourage you to go to ministrymentorship.com and download your free ebook. And this is a uh, book of ministry quotes taken from our podcasts. And this is made available for free. Uh, just enter your email address in the uh, subscription area and uh, you can have a free copy of that uh, via email. Uh, let's get started with today's conversation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. We're thankful to have missionary uh, Chris Gibbs with us today. And uh, he has been in ministry for over 20 years. Uh, he's been involved in missions for over six years now. Him and his family are missionaries to Malawi and uh, just has a tremendous spirit, a tremendous teaching ministry, and uh, we're so thankful to have him joining us today. Uh, Brother Gibbs, thank you so much for, for agreeing to uh, to talk to us today. Well, Brother Tapia, it's a privilege to, to be with you today and to uh, talk about our passion and heartbeat ministry in Malawi. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just kind of give us an update on uh, just maybe a couple things that are happening uh, wherever you're serving at there in, in, in the country of Malawi? Um, right now, we have seen, a um, over the last many years, a tremendous revival breakout. Um, the numbers that come to mind have been the awesome outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the last four years. We have seen over 17,000 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost wow. in our nation in the last four years. Uh, over 7,500 people have been baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. And um, we have seen 126 men and women come through the Bible school, um, which has been tremendous as well. Those those three things have stood out to us and our family, and uh, it, it's a bit overwhelming to see what the Lord has done. That's exciting to hear, and and that and that's a lot of work. Uh, you know, we we like to put those numbers out, but I appreciate you, you know, putting that the Bible school numbers on the end of that because I think. 
I think it's important for people to know that in order to see that kind of growth and revival, there has to be people in the trenches, so to speak. Yes, um, we have seen, you know, with our um, executive board and with our um, pastor team in the nation, they have definitely been through many trials and, mm-hmm. and many tight places. But with casting vision and with them knowing that if we continue marching on, we're going to win, they've had a tremendous focus the last many years. And to see that revival now become to fruition has been tremendous in the nation. But as you said, it has come with a price. has been uh, many, many sleepless nights of mm-hmm. spiritual warfare, many nights of praying, the Lord intercede into the nation. Um, always, um, you know, many nights going to bed knowing something was wrong, but we needed a solution. And uh, through a lot of prayer and a lot of seeking the Lord for His direction, He intervened and has given us uh, direction, given our leaders direction. And uh, we have seen now um, in this fourth year of breakthrough, the first three years, we've seen a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Ghost which has been a phenomenal, but this last year alone, we've seen the, the Lord move into the nation and the working of miracles, and we've seen um, our leadership team solidified the best I've ever seen. So that, that's been wonderful. Amen. That's exciting. And, and tell us a little bit uh, of your background and your, your story. Share a little bit of that with us today. Um, my background, I was raised in the church, so I'm, I'm a product of the Apostolic Church, which has been a tremendous blessing. Even on my father's side, um, our family ministry goes back to 1906, actually, with my great-grandparents on my father's side, uh, brother and sister Stump, that started the First Pentecostal Church in Columbus, Ohio, in 1907. Um, So we have a wonderful family heritage uh, that goes back over 100 years, and uh, we are very privileged for that. But um, it's also, as has been said, we're not Pentecostal by um, heritage, but Pentecostal by experience, and uh, that has been a blessing in our family, with uh, my family, my children, and uh, uh, we're very blessed to have that heritage in our lives. Now, how did you first get started in ministry? I received my calling in the ministry at 19. I was just uh, working my first job uh, in Wellsburg, Ohio, at the Kroger Deli and Bakery, and uh, was attending the Ohio State University uh, with uh, studies towards pre-med. That was something I was looking into was uh, sports medicine. And um, I received my calling that night, about 10 o'clock at night. I'll never forget standing back in that room by myself and just all of a sudden the Lord uh, began showing me um, beautiful brown fields of Africa, that grass is about three feet tall, blowing in the wind. And the next thing I seen African people as far as I could see. Hmm. And the Lord began to speak to me and uh, to let me know he was calling me to the continent of Africa. And um, from that time forward that I began to uh, pursue ministry, um, began to sit down with my pastor and uh, begin to express with him my desire and the, the vision that God gave me. And they were able to uh, help me tremendously to begin to follow that uh, dream and follow that uh, uh, calling that God had placed on my life. Now, growing up in the church, I'm assuming that you were pretty involved uh, in in everything that was going on. Who were some of the people that you feel like impacted your life, and, and why would you say that? Um, yes, I was very active in the church growing up, um, you know, involved in everything I could be. Um, I just, uh, um, I guess I go back to the, the, the first impact that really got hold of me was my father. Um, raised us in the church, worked six days a week, 
but we never missed a church service ever. And he worked uh, after service on Sunday morning and uh, would drive 100 miles on Sunday just to make sure we were at church Sunday morning and Sunday night. And um, my father had a tremendous desire uh, for soul winning. And I remember, you know, countless times growing up as just, uh, you know, six, seven, eight, nine year old. Um, my sister was five years older, so many of her friends would come to visit the house. And my dad would, you know, talk to them about the Lord. And, uh, he would talk to people he worked with just everywhere uh, we were at. He was talking to somebody about the Lord. And I just remember the anointing and the presence of God when that happened. And that created a, a longing and desire in me to be around that. And um, that, that pretty much set me in a place with a desire uh, to be close to God. I just wanted to be in that presence and that anointing. And um, probably the second person that had a, a great influence in my life was a pastor in Columbus, Ohio, by the name of Kenneth White, and he had pastored a church there for many years, and we would visit there uh, during special revivals and special services, and uh, just the anointing that that man carried, and and the presence of the Lord that was in the church there. Um, I remember, you know, as a kid saying, this is the environment I want to be in, this is what I want to spend time in, and uh, that impacted me greatly, and then when I received my calling, um, we were very blessed to uh, have just received uh, a new pastor in our church, uh, Pastor Gary Keller, who's now been in my home church life for 20 years, and he has been a tremendous mentor and blessing in my life over the last 20 years, and then um, his impact has been invaluable uh, in ministry and, um, and in character and ethics and how you carry yourself in ministry. And I would say also our regional director, Brother Jerry Richardson, has always been um, incredibly kind to me from the very first moment I stepped foot in Africa as a 25-year-old aimer until now. He has been an integral part of um, blessing us and speaking word into our life and giving us direction. And um, it's those kind of moments that, that change your life forever. I agree. And, and one thing that I found is that it seems, and just even hearing you talk, that, that God had people lined up at every stage of your life, you know, it seems like sometimes there can be, you know, when you're maybe in a younger stage, those formative years, and then going into ministry, and 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 then in specifically into missions. And I think it's amazing to me how how when we walk with the Lord and we want to follow His will, that He brings people into our lives. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, and and for me, and I think for anybody in ministry, it's a necessity. And it's imperative um, because we, we don't have it in ourselves necessarily to, to lead our own paths and to direct our own steps, as the Bible says. And and that's where somebody that's already been down that road, somebody that um, is a place of authority, um, can pour into your life. And, um, you know, I always go back to those principles that were poured into me as a young man, that if I'm ever going to be involved in the kingdom of God, I have to be submitted not just one person, but many people, and mm. allow them to mold and to shape me and to keep me from the pitfalls and keep me from trouble. And um, those people that um, were willing to do that, and, and you know, it's, it's sometimes difficult in ministry. You, you find people sometimes hesitant to pour into other people because, you know, if they don't heed your advice or they don't listen to what you say or things don't work out perfect, then they feel maybe, you know, you're going to hold them accountable. But for me, I personally feel um, the people that were willing to be vulnerable and to pour into my life and to speak the word into my life, 
those are the people that I hold and esteem the highest in my ministry and my yeah. life. And I can say with Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God, but I can also say um, I am what I am by those people that I've already listed and named that invested in Chris Gibbs, invested mm-hmm. in my ministry, invested in my family. Um, those people are, are paramount in my walk with the Lord. What are some of the challenges that you faced as a young minister, and how did you overcome them? Um, I think some of the largest challenges that you face, um, especially when you're called, I guess, you know, young in ministry. I know many have been called in their early teens and things, but for me, even at 19, I wrestled at first with my calling um, in and of itself. Uh, did I feel qualified? You know, uh, of course, when that calling came and I expressed it, of course, the adversary reminded me of every slip-up and every mistake I'd ever made in my life. I mean, I remember things from first grade that were you know, almost silly to <laughs> think about as an adult, but yeah. at that moment of your calling, you, you, you begin to realize, you know, I wrestled with that for weeks. Am I uh, qualified? Have, have I been a, a good enough person, if you will? And um, I wrestled with that, and I finally came to grips with that. If God is calling me and asking me to be involved in ministry, then, you know, he's qualifying me, and he's going to use me, and um, that was probably the first thing I dealt with. Uh, the second challenge I faced um, in ministry was I, I began to think, you know, how is God going to open doors for me? I didn't have a, uh, you know, a, a large name in Pentecost, if any name, and um, and I thought I don't have a lot of great connections. How How is God going to orchestrate and facilitate putting all those things together? But God, in His perfect timing, brought people into my life, and uh they were very integral and opening doors and and uh, pointing me in the right direction. And, and that still goes on even to this day. Um, people uh, investing in your ministry, investing in your life. And uh, if I can encourage a young minister out there today, if, if we'll pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's truly true. All things, he will add them unto us and bring mm-hmm. them to us. And he will yeah. bring the right people into our lives. And, um, and uh, if we'll do that, it, God will open the doors to facilitate the things in His timing. And, and patience was a big key also. I, I wrestled with that. I wanted things to happen immediately. I wanted things to happen overnight. And some things happened in weeks, some that took years. But I've learned that it was all in His timing. And uh, if things lingered or things waited, I knew He was preparing things and mm-hmm. getting things into the position to where I could walk in and disinherit some things. And I look back, and that was a tremendous blessing. You know, and you talk. You talked about patience. I think, I think sometimes when we're in that younger, early ministry stage, we feel like if it's not happening right now, maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe we're not being successful, or and and we yeah. forget sometimes that kind of what you mentioned that God has a perfect plan. He's his the steps are ordered of the Lord, and uh, we have to really guard ourselves. I think, and and that's where having mentors and, and staying in the Word and seeking the Lord, uh, that can really help us. You're, you're absolutely right, Brother Tapia. Um, when I wrestled with that the most, uh, one of my mentors um, came to me, and I remember I was working construction jobs and, and working on houses and, and building houses, and I remember you know there came a point I just despised the job um, because I longed so much to be in ministry at a full-time capacity. I remember him making a statement to me. He said, absorb everything you can in every job, 
and every scenario mm-hmm. and everything you do in life. Because in reality, there will come a day that everything you put your hand to or you're involved with will come back to bless you in ministry. And that was tremendous advice, and that helped me to, to gear things down and to slow down and to stop looking so far to the future that I couldn't absorb the lessons that God had for me at the present. Mm-hmm. And I look back now, all of these years later, um, those construction jobs and the things I was exposed to have helped me tremendously in the mission field um, because, you know, I don't always necessarily have to be the one building one of the projects or one of our village churches, but I know how to do it now from sure. that experience, and I know when it's being done right and when it's not being done right, where hmm. if I would have just thrown in the towel and said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to set late for ministry, I don't think I would have the experience I have now, and um, I appreciate, again, um, mentors being willing to to be vulnerable and, and, and to speak a word into a young man's life, and, and it made a difference, a tremendous difference in my life. You've been involved in missions for over six years now. Uh, talk about how you first got started in, in missions. Um, it goes back to a uh, prayer meeting. Um, after the Lord called me into ministry, I, I began to to spend the majority of my free time in prayer. And I was instructed to do that, and I felt a calling and a, a leading from God to do that, which um, turned out to be, you know, a foundation in my ministry and in my life. And uh, the Lord dealt with me that um, he was preparing me to go on two trips. And um, the first trip, I would be still in the United States. The second trip, I would be out of the United States. And within about six months of the Lord speaking that to me, he opened the door um, to go to Louisiana, where I worked um, in a local church there, uh, working with uh, the Africa Impact Team to go to West Africa uh, for evangelism. And then eight months later, I was in Africa for the first time. And uh, God facilitated and orchestrated all of that. Um, I didn't know a single person in Louisiana. I didn't know a single person in Africa. And um, God just uh, moved on the hearts of a pastor's wife in Louisiana and um, asked if I would come down and visit there. And just God put everything together from there. So um, it's amazing how God puts those steps together. You know, I remember the night it happened, I was sitting there with her. Um, a friend of mine who was a youth pastor at my home church, and I was in youth ministry as well at the time, and he was on the phone with this family and uh, with this particular pastor's wife, and um, she had been using the Lord greatly and mentoring and blessing people through the years, and um, she heard my voice in the background. And hmm. said, I don't know what's going on, but whoever's in the background needs to come to Louisiana, needs to move here, and let's wow. see what God will do. And, and, and the Lord had already spoken to that, you know, to me, I was getting ready to go on two trips, and I talked with my pastor about it, and he said, you know, I feel good about it, and and it was. It was a God thing, and um, God opened those doors, and like I said, eight months later, I was in Africa for the first time, and uh, as I say, the rest of history, God facilitated and put all that together, and even to this day, I I still um, am overwhelmed and amazed how God just let everything fall into place, and if I would have had a blueprint or design trying to make this happen, I couldn't have done it. Only God could have done it. Wow, you know, I I think I think one thing that that we see, and, and you talked about the blueprint, is is so easy to get our own blueprint and and then to f- get frustrated when we feel boxed in, and 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 I think you know what you're talking about here, and and just letting things happen. Now, 
on the flip side of that is we do have to prepare ourselves and we do have to be aggressive and and if we feel something in faith we have to you know step out and and you know follow that uh but at the same time not to get discouraged when it doesn't lay out uh just the way we think it should yes you're very right and uh I definitely am not a um, um, advocate of just sitting down on our hands waiting for God to put things together, but rather, um, you know, when I look back over my own life, as you said, there was constant preparation. Um, I was constantly being led of the Lord to to pursue this job or to pursue that job, and all the while I knew Africa uh, would take care of itself in His hands and in His timing, and. Um, and, and it taught me to stay active in ministry, um, to stay involved. I worked with the youth, worked with the college and career age, uh, ultimately worked as an assistant pastor for years. And all of that experience and knowledge helped me tremendously. Um, I often liken it to the example of Joseph. Joseph knew uh, the end, if you will. He knew there would come a day that he would be used mightily. He knew that God would use him and... Uh, and along the way comes, you know, betrayal. Along the way comes uh, temptation. Along the way comes prison. And, and I've often went back and, and reflected on that. But the thing that allowed Joseph to ultimately make it to his destination was staying active in ministry, even though he wasn't in the place he longed to be, or even mm-hmm. felt that it was a uh, the ultimate uh, place that God wanted him to go. Um, he That's knew good. Egypt would come. He knew God would open that door, but. If he stops ministering in the prison, he is never brought before Pharaoh. And, mm-hmm. and that has always um, been something I, I, I admonish young ministers. When you can be honest and say, you know, I, I know where God wants to take me. I know what he wants to do. He showed me that, but it's not happened yet. You have a choice. Do you shut down and just sit and wait? Or do we continue on like Joseph and continue ministering, continue blessing, continue working to our best ability? And whatever field he has us in, because when we accomplish that, then he is already preparing our final field or our final destiny to walk into and mm. back to being faithful in some of those little things before he ultimately gives us the desires of our heart. Amen. What are some books or, or resources that you would recommend for young ministers? Um, for me, I was always drawn uh, to books. Um, at the turn of the century, books that were uh, based upon Azusa Street. Um, I remember one of the books I read from Frank Bartleman uh, regarding Azusa Street. Um, just one of the statements he made in that book I never forgot. He said at one of his prayer meetings he was uh, seeking the Lord and knew the Lord wanted to do something great in that hour. And the Lord spoke to him and said, if you could only become small enough, I could do anything with you. And he said from that day forward there was a innate desire in him to decrease and get out of the way mm-hmm. and to let the Spirit of the Lord step to the forefront. And and that book helped me tremendously. Um, uh, many of the books, you know, from Raven Hill and uh, the Hebrides Revival. Um, I read a lot of those books of the beginning revivals that swept um, our country and our nation and also around the world. And I always found um, several common things. There was always an incredible hunger and desire and a few. It wasn't in the multitude, mm. it was in a few. Mm. Yeah. And that incredible and insatiable desire in the few uh, caused them to press on and to move forward 
and prayer meetings and fasting and seeking God as never before, and ultimately birth um, historical revivals. And um, that was something that always got hold of me, um, because um, back to that beginning, being in that environment, uh, feeling the anointing and the presence of God, I didn't want to just um, go through the motions. I didn't want to just be a, another kind of costal, if you will. I just I wanted to to walk in that place God had set aside and specifically designated, and and I, I had that hunger, I guess, inside of me that God placed there, and I just wanted to see um, things like that. And um, those kind of books were the most influential to me mm. um, because um, you watch people that had uh, no historical uh, training, they had no background, they had nothing to base it off of. They just simply pioneered things. Uh, when I read um, my great-grandparents, some of their um, letters they left behind, and, and you watch how they began with nothing except with a burden and desire to reach the loss that overwhelmed them, and it also overwhelmed every other obstacle in their lives. Everything became secondary, and the kingdom of God became primary. And when that happened, um, you've seen something literally historical break loose. And, and those kinds of books, um, it's something I would recommend to uh, ministry and young ministry specifically. What are some of the traits that you feel like make a young minister successful? Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is no matter what age um, the young minister is, they have to know um, who they are in God. Um, I find that a lot in this hour, 20- and 30-year-old people, even people in their 40s at times, still wrestling with their identity in God. Hmm. And yeah. when you can settle that and you become comfortable, not in a prideful way, but in a comfortable way, knowing who you are, and when you know who you are in God, then you know where you fit in the kingdom. And, um, and I think that's important to have that kind of um, identity. Um, you're not searching for an identity. You know where God has you at that moment, and you know where God is leading you, and you're comfortable in that place. And uh, the second thing I think that is a tremendous trait uh, for young ministry is to always be in a place where they're under submission to several key people in their lives. Um, we know if you're going to be of authority, you have to be under authority. And... Um, that's paramount. When you, when you find somebody that um, can um, basically slow you down when you're running full speed ahead and maybe you can't see what's happening in front of you, that, that's where you need mentors and people in your life that can speak that word and you will heed that even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't like it, um, even when it may go against your own feelings. But you know that God has placed those people in your life and you're willing to submit to that. Um, because I think we can all be honest in, in this life we submit to things every day. Mm -hmm. um, we submit to the stop signs. We submit um, to the signs on the doors. And we submit to, to the requests of strangers at restaurants. We submit <laughs> to things all the time. Yeah. Right. And submitting to people in our lives that are mentoring us and blessing us, it should be an easy thing. And I would say the third facet that uh, is critical in the life of a young minister is their prayer life. Um, it's been said by Raven Hill that no man can ever exceed uh, the gravity of his prayer life. Mm. And I, I believe that is true. Um, you know, I teach that to my 13-year-old son constantly, that prayer is not just 
something we do, but prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer mm-hmm. is literally communicating with God. It's creating a relationship. And when you spend time in prayer, it changes your thinking, it changes your mindset, it changes um, every facet of your being. And, and prayer is a key, and uh, it is paramount in the life of, of a young man or young lady that is pursuing ministry and pursuing the will of God in their life. And what advice can you give to a young minister that that feels a call to ministry and they're pursuing that right now? Um, the first thing is, again, it's back to, to spiritual protocol, and that would be, the first thing would be to uh, spend time talking with your pastor. Um, he should be the first person to know of your calling and of your desire, and um, he will be your greatest resource in your ministry and in your life. And um, that would be the first thing uh, I would recommend. The second would be to pursue relationship more than ministry. Um, in, in this hour, uh, it's easy to put a label on a ministry and say, I'm an evangelist, mm. or I'm a pastor, or yeah. I'm a, a missionary, or I'm a music director, or I, I work in Sunday school, or children's evangelism. We look for titles, and in reality, long before we ever have a title, we're servants, and we're people that are supposed to be pursuing relationship above all things. And mm-hmm. and in this hour, if you can uh, have young people have a passion and desire to pursue relationship above all, nine under the Lord, getting close to Him, letting Him mold them and shape them, then the, the titles come and the positions come. Right. And uh, even in, in our nation of Malawi, we share that with our executive leadership, and, and we've mentioned that many times, long before we were superintendents or mm-hmm. treasurers or uh, you know, over the Sunday School for the Nation, we were called to be servants and called to right. be people that pursued God. And if young people will set aside the title, all in pursuit of a relationship, uh, everything they desire, it'll come together. Um, I would say the next facet would be do not be afraid uh, to speak into the air the thing that God has shared with you mm-hmm. about your dreams and your destiny. Um, many times, it, you know, we become... Um, kind of inclusive with what God has shared with us. And and I, and I think in reality, we need to be, again, back to Joseph, be willing to speak that under the air. And, and it will cost friendships. It will cost um, sometimes people looking at you like you think, um, you know, who are you to share this? But the reality is we have not because we ask not. And when we speak things right. into the air, it, um, it allows God to get involved with it. Too many times, I think young people in ministry, they plead the fifth, they refuse to say anything, and they mm-hmm. just hold their peace. In a reality, um, I don't think they should be out, you know, in a braggadocious-type spirit saying, you know, God's going to do this and God's going to do that with me. Sure. But, but with people that you can find in, people that uh, you love and trust, your pastor, pastor's wife, and uh, family, share with them what God has spoken to you mm-hmm. and, and see how God would get involved with it. And, and I would say the last facet would be to learn to absorb everything you can in life. Um, as we've already mentioned, from job experiences, to education, to different skills you're exposed to, um, it will guide you, it will lead you, it will be a blessing in your ministry. Uh, maybe not at the present, but down the road, um, it will culminate in everything you get involved with and, and everything you learn um, we'll come back someday to be a blessing to you in the work of the Lord. And um, 
if we can put ourselves in that position to absorb everything we can, every person we come across in life, um, look at them as if they're your superior and there's something they can pour into you, something they can teach you. Um, it will allow you to be exposed to so many different venues of life. And when you get involved in the place of your calling and in that day of uh, destiny, all of those things will come back to you and be a tremendous blessing to mm-hmm. you. Absolutely. Amen. And, and I wonder in closing, uh, Brother Gibbs, if you could just say a prayer over that young person right now that is feeling that, that tug, that pull, maybe even to missions or maybe just to a specific uh, path that they feel like God's leading them to. And I wonder if you could just say a prayer over them right now. Yes, I would love to. I think it would be wonderful. Um, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you today, thank you. Lord for the young people that are feeling the calling of God and the burden of ministry that has come upon them. I thank you for this generation, Lord, that is carrying the gospel forward, Lord. I pray this day, Lord, that you will, Lord, overshadow them and you will overwhelm them, Lord, with your leading and your guiding. And I pray today, Lord, that you will, Lord, send them men and women of God that can nurture them and pour into them and mentor them as they move forward in ministry. And I pray this day, Lord, that you would, Lord, take away every spirit of ambition that is inside of them. Ambition is killing so many ministries in this hour, Lord, all desiring to be somebody or to attain a goal. But today, Lord, I pray, let us all have a spirit of servitude and servanthood that is willing and longing to be close to you, Lord. Let us pursue ministry in this hour above all things, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for that young man and that young lady out there today that has a calling or a burden to ministry or to missions, Lord, that you, Lord, will fuel that and you will place a fire in them, Lord, and a tenacity to continue moving forward, Lord, and knowing that you will orchestrate and facilitate it, Lord. The doors you have opened, Lord, from the beginning of time until now, Lord, they are still in place, Lord, and you will facilitate and open the doors for those that hunger and thirst after righteousness and those that pursue you and your kingdom above their kingdom. I pray this day, Lord, put your hedge around them. Keep them, Lord, in the way that they will go, Lord. Lead them and guide them, I pray. In Jesus' name, Lord, give them vision to see to tomorrow. Give them vision for what you're going to do in their lives, Lord, and give them the capacity to hold on in the midst of every trial, knowing that you hold them in the hollow of your hand, Lord, and out of your hand none can deliver. I pray this today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Brother Gibbs, thank you so much for, for taking the time to to do this call. And, and how can a young person get in touch with your ministry? Uh, they can reach um, us uh, very easily, either through Facebook at Chris and Penny Gibbs, Malawi, or they can reach us uh, by my email address, which is reverendcsgibbs at AOL.com, R-E-V. C.S. Gibbs at AOL.com, and uh, we would love to um, share um, what's happening with Malawi or speak to someone's life that is interested in pursuing missions at any time. Uh, that would be wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll make those links available uh, in the show notes of this podcast. But, uh, Brother Gibbs, thank you again, and, and we pray that you have a great year and a uh, great day today. Well, thank you for the topic. It was a distinct privilege for me to, to be able to share a few of these things today, and we appreciate your ministry and all that you're doing um, to 
move the gospel around the world. Thank you. You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com. Thanks for listening and God bless.